We discovered that there were secrets that your body was trying to tell you that could really help you optimize performance. But no one could monitor those things. And that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the world. Welcome to the WHOOP podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of WHOOP, where we are on a mission to unlock human performance. At WHOOP, our clients range from the best professional athletes in the world to Navy SEALs to fitness enthusiasts to Fortune 500 CEOs and executives. The common thread among WHOOP members is a passion to improve. What does it take to optimize performance for athletes, for humans, really anyone? And now that we've just launched the all-new WhoopStrap 3.0 featuring WHOOP Live, which takes real-time training and recovery analysis to the next level, you're going to hear how many of these users are optimizing their body with WHOOP and with other things in their life. On this podcast, we dig deeper, we interview experts, we interview industry leaders across sports, data, technology, physiology, athletic achievement, you name it. How can you use data to improve your body? What should you change about your life? My hope is that you'll leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the WHOOP podcast. I feel like there are a lot of silos in fitness. There's like, there are CrossFitters and there are bodybuilders and then there are athletes, sprinters, and, and they don't, we don't always play together or realize like how our training can kind of, we're all kind of doing the same thing and we can all play well together. And so the one thing I try really, really hard to do is merge different ideas. Hello folks, today my guest is Ebenezer Samuel, the fitness director at Men's Health Magazine. Eb is a certified strength and conditioning specialist with a degree in journalism from Syracuse University. He began his career as a sports reporter for the New York Daily News, where he learned a great deal from the athletes he covered about fitness, training, and recovering from injury. He used to work out with all of the New York Giants players, and we talk a lot about that. Uh, and Eb has been a WHOOP member for the past two years, so we get into his data. Other topics we cover, what it's like to interview pro athletes and how he's used that to improve his own fitness. We even get into interviews with Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Eb's biggest message when it comes to smart and healthy training and the various gyms and classes he visits in New York City to keep up with all the latest trends how he likes to put these theories to test through self-experimentation and using WHOOP data to quantify the effect they have on his body. As a journalist and a trainer who's also the fitness director of one of the world's premier health and lifestyle magazines, I think Eb has a unique perspective that athletes and fitness enthusiasts of all levels can learn from. Without further ado, here's Eb. Eb, thanks for coming on. No problem, man. So you've had a, a pretty fascinating career around health and fitness. I think just to start, like, did you always know that you were going to end up doing something in health and fitness? I think on on some level, I knew that was like where I wanted to go eventually. I kind of took a circuitous route to get there. Like, I wasn't really, I wasn't actually super athletic when I was like in college, high school. It took me a while to grow into my body and figure out that stuff. So I actually wound up not anywhere near health and fitness up until like three or four years ago. But I was always like training, gymnastics, going to the gym. The fact that I've been able to kind of get it as a career now is I'm super psyched and it's I'm in love with it. Now you studied journalism 
at Syracuse. Yeah. So you kind of knew you were going to go down that path to some degree, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the way I saw it, I wasn't a great athlete and I didn't like naturally understand that stuff. So the closest I could get to it was, hey, let me cover great athletes. So I wound up like I studied journalism solely so that I could, you know, write for ESPN, write for Sports Illustrated and kind of be around those guys and learn from them. So, yeah, it was kind of it was a weird way to get where I am now. Well, in a lot of ways, it makes sense. So you graduate from Syracuse one, two thousand five, two thousand six, around that, and then you start working for the Daily News. Yeah. yeah. So talk about that experience. So that was, I mean, it's it's really cool because journalism, the way it is now, they they throw you right into the fire. It's like I showed up, I showed up for an internship, and the next day they're like, "Hey, go uh, cover Derek Jeter and the Yankees." And it's like, "Oh wow, really? Okay, cool." Was that literally your first interview? Yeah, uh, no, Derek Jeter was like my third interview, and I remember, <laughs> I remember, That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, except you're so green, right? And yeah. you have no idea how to talk to these athletes. And I think it was it was his birthday or something like that. And <laughs> and you also don't know like all these unwritten rules of the locker room. It's like you're only supposed to talk to certain players at certain times and stuff like that. And, you know, I just walk up to him because I'm like, hey, I'm in the locker room. I need to talk to this guy. And I think I asked him about his birthday and I asked him if he felt old or something like that. And apparently, <laughs> though, that's like a very bad way to start an interview. And then, Never ask an athlete if he feels old. Yeah, and never do that if he has, especially like big name athletes. I guess you, you have to have some kind of rapport with them. And these are things I'm literally like, 20, 21 years old, and I don't really understand that stuff, right? So I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm half fanboying, half trying to do a job. And the next day, my, the editor, the sports editor of the Daily News calls me into his office and he's like, he's like, what, what is this I heard? Like you pissed off Derek Jeter. And I was like. <laughs> so this is like a week or two into the job. Not even. It was oh literally, it was literally like, I think I filled out paperwork the first day. That was two days into the office. And then they needed somebody to go out there for like a sidebar or something like that. And I was the guy. So it was like three days in. It was kind of a, kind of a wild way to get started. And have you always been a New York sports fan from that role? It's funny. I actually wasn't. I, I can't stand New York sports. Oh, interesting. Don't, don't, don't say that too loud, I guess. I moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I wound up kind of, I think there was some point in like, we moved to like a different high school or something like that. And all the kids were like, you can't be a fan of this team because it's my team. You can't be a fan of this team because it's my team. So I wound up with the Seattle Mariners, the New, <laughs> the New England Patriots, and like the Lakers, which wasn't too bad. But I just kind of, I was like, you know what, I'll own it and stick with it. And now I'm like a proud Patriots fan. So now did that affect your writing at all? Like, not, so I've, I've always enjoyed reading Bill Simmons, for example, big Boston yeah. sports writer. And it clearly like influences everything he writes in one way or another and that he, but he, he sort of acknowledges it. And I feel like you can either choose to go down that path where you acknowledge that you're a biased sports fan or you just pretend like you have no allegiance and it's just as objective as possible. Yeah, I think it, it wound up when I got here, because I wound up covering the Giants very heavily. That was like my, my beat, my beat job. And what I wound up doing Partly maybe because I closet hated the Giants because they beat the Patriots, <laughs> but a lot because um, I wanted to kind of be as balanced and unbiased as I could be is I probably was one of the more like critical beat writers 
um, which is interesting too, because I got to be really close to like they had Steve Weatherford at the time. Oh yeah, like we uh, we still talk all the time. I love that guy. You yeah, know? shout and I, out Steve Whoop user. Yeah, exactly. He, he <laughs> loves that. He loves you guys. Um, but you know, I got to be really close to like Victor Cruz, um, and so I got to be friends with those guys. But I was like, okay, I'm friends with them, but let me try work really hard to not let that show in my writing that I'm very tight with these guys. Sure. Let me. So I I tried to be pretty pretty objective but every so often i would be like i would go home and you know talk to my wife and i'd be like yeah me and steve weatherford are lifting this money you know <laughs> it's freaking freaking awesome yeah so you focused on the giants you botched this interview with jeter what are what are some of the unwritten rules of interviewing a famous professional athlete <laughs> the un it, it's it's just it's a question of like there are certain times in the locker room where you can approach them and you can't and a lot of those guys will only talk on certain days, um, <laughs> which is, it's kind of, I guess, the privilege. And I understood it a little bit because in the NFL, like you want, you know, the press would be in the locker room from Monday through Friday, but there's really only a game on Sunday. So from Monday through Friday, a lot of players would tell me this, like when we were just kind of talking amongst ourselves, they're like, you guys are asking, the press is asking the same exact questions every day in different ways because we have to come up with stories, right? Yeah. And so... What it winds up being is like certain guys, like like if you have a rapport with a guy, you you won't. It's like almost like you have to strike up like a conversation with them about something else, and they'd be like, "Hey, listen, oh by the way, I have a job to do. Yeah, so can I sneak in like a couple <laughs> questions for my job?" I like and that. yes, and then and different guys get along with with different guys. Like one cool thing for me is because I, you know, the average sports writer isn't like going to the gym all the time and stuff like that. But I mean, I would I loved the gym and fitness even then, like for me like covering the giants the beauty of that is like i could be like yo victor how do you get fast you know and he would be like i do this and this and this i had a really good relationship with another guy um brandon lloyd from the he played for the patriots for a little bit yeah and i would like i would be like what do i do for um my vertical leap and he would be like this is like my exact workout i'm doing so just do that you know oh cool and, and you're doing that almost more for your personal benefit than even for the yeah yeah, exactly. Because I love that stuff. You know, it's like to me, it's like after a while, you can only like write so many stories about how the Giants' offensive line needs work. You know, <laughs> yeah. and you ask the same questions, and you know that's what the fans. New care Yorkers about. listening to this, that you just hit a sensitive spot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Well, the, the New Yorkers know their whole team needs work right now. I gotta watch myself right now. Yeah, but like asking those guys about, like I used to, Chris Snee, um was another guy who I got pretty tight with offensive lineman and he could like bench an entire planet super really? strong guy super strong guy yeah and we would talk a lot but he had you know some injury stuff here and there too and we would talk a lot about like hip mobility you know and so just being around those guys and ask like i learned so much about fitness and health i remember like the one there was one year like six giants literally all tore their acls in training camp which is was nuts right and talking to those guys about i had torn my acl in college and talking to those guys about like what they were thinking during the rehab or like you know just even like you know it's like you tear your acl and it can be fully recovered but how do you regain your confidence to make that crazy cut so what are some things that you learned specifically on that example? Like how did they regain their confidence? What kind of opened my eyes, I remember, because I did a story on that and it was like one of the stories I was really excited about. And what a lot of those guys said is it's like, it's it's their job, you know? So it's like they have to go out there and do it. Like versus like you or me, it's like I tear my ACL, 
I rehab it and I may come back and play a basketball game and it feels a little funky. So I just don't go play for two weeks. Right. But I remember talking to the Giants had a receiver at the time named Dominic Hickson. Um, and he had, he was crazy because he had torn his ACL come back like the next year was having this great training camp. And then he tore his ACL again. And it was like the most, it was a wow. strange thing because like he caught a pass in the end zone and it didn't even look like a big, you know how some guys it's like, they get carted off. Yeah. Like it didn't even look like a major injury. He thought it was just tweaked and it wound up torn again. He had to have the surgery again. Oh. And I was like, dude, like that's gotta be, you know, mentally, mentally like disturbing, you know, like the next year when he came back and he's like, yeah, but I like, this is how I pay my bills. So I have to go out there and figure it out, you know? Right. Um, And it's crazy. Cause some, like on some level, obviously I feel like when you're in, it's almost like being a pro athlete that's like the challenge it's like you get hurt and you have to figure it out versus like if you're like you and me we can kind of take our time and come back from things and come back through like a lot of those guys have to rush back from injuries where it's like it takes like a nine-month rehab but they ha they have to be back in seven or eight months so they can prove they're healthy you know and then get their contract it's tough it's really tough i mean i've always been amazed by how fast some of these guys can come back and there's definitely learnings in that for general society don't you think yeah i think the one thing they do so i i tore my my left labrum too and i remember talking Dude, you're getting injured huh <laughs> you're getting injured for someone who's not playing sports yeah and had you had you hurt your acl had you hurt your labrum um well the 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 acl was um the acl was one of those never play the one wisdom i hope people get from this podcast okay? <laughs> never play basketball with people who totally like don't know what they're doing I think I think pick up basketball and pick up soccer mm. are like the two highest likelihood yeah. like injury risk yeah. <laughs> uh, activities. Yeah, or like random random um, playground rugby somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. That's next level. Yeah. Some guy. I was like, it was um, it was playground ball, and some guy. It was at Syracuse, and it was one that I had actually just gotten done lifting, and some guy just like totally like crashed into my knee. Oh man. Yeah. And um, did you know immediately? I had a hunch. It's crazy because, um, um, you know, tough guy and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna finish this game. Then I stand up and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. I think I'm going home. It was it was a kind of an an interesting situation because obviously tests and stuff like that, and it was like finals and stuff. So I actually didn't get it checked out legitimately until like a week later. That's the crazy thing about the ACL is that you can actually function somewhat well. I remember I think it was Rajon Rondo. Yeah, tore his ACL and he played the rest of the game. They didn't even know. Yeah, it depends on like the severity of the tear. Yeah, of it's, course. It's actually the same um, with um, with the labrum. Like, the, like so many people have like labral tears, rotator cuff tears, and stuff like that, and they don't even they don't e they say that you only really need to address that if um, if it's symptomatic, you know, because so like so many people just have not have issues in that area but they have so you build especially if you like do crossfit or if you train or if you train smart and you build so much just stability in that joint and then you don't have to worry about it so much the thing i think you know that with with acls is you notice that when people change direction that's when like if you're just running straight ahead you can kind of get away with it but the moment you want to go like if you want to play a hockey game on a torn acl i mean forget I, it yeah Okay, so you, you spend a lot of time with athletes. Uh, you're at the Daily News, very successful there. And what what makes you think, okay, maybe I should I should be focusing more on, on the health side of this and, 
and then transitioning ultimately to men's health. A couple of things. So for me, it's crazy if my if the if the sports editor of the Daily News hears this, he may kill me. I had never I was not like a newspaper <laughs> guy because I was very I was like young and dumb, you know what I mean? Which I feel like is kind of normal. I remember like I was at Syracuse and you have to finish their that journalism program with an internship. And so I was looking for one. And Men's Health actually came and interviewed, right? Um, and so I was like, oh, I, I like Men's Health. I'm into fitness. Let me do the interview with them. But again, like to me, it's like like ESPN, the magazine, and Sports Illustrated. Those were ESPN, the magazine, Sports Illustrated, and Men's Health were the magazines I grew up with. But ESPN and Sports Illustrated always look cooler. And those were like, it's like, I want to do that. So I go into this Men's Health interview and the lady's like, you know, so what's your favorite magazine and stuff like that? And I'm like, <laughs> it's a trick question. Yeah, I totally blew this, totally oblivious to this. I'm like, ESPN the magazine, because this is <laughs> this and this and this, and it's so awesome. And like, I, I'd love to write for them. And she's like, so why are you here again? And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. But again, I was always kind of just into fitness and I'd done the sports thing. And after a while, again, I was. I'd, I'd been to Super Bowls and I had a lot of fun with it. But what was missing for me is just like kind of being able to like, like when you just write, like it's kind of like sports writing. I was writing stuff, but I wasn't really getting a chance to like actively impact people. And I felt like I had kind of gained all this fitness knowledge through so many different ways, through like talking to these athletes, through um, talking to like doctors and physical therapists. And I was kind of in that, in that space anyway, right? Because I, I was literally like Friday nights like or Saturday nights when all the other writers, when we would get to a location um, or when we would get to whatever site the Giants were playing at, um, they would all go out like eating and stuff like that. And I would be like, let me find like a really cool gym to go train at, you know? So I was a weird guy doing that. And I was kind of training people off to the side and doing all that. And I was like, I'm more into this sometimes than I am like, you know, covering the team, you know? So Men's Health had an opening and I had actually talked to some people at a different publication too, just like where, again, there was some fitness going on there. Men's Health had an opening and I was like, let me look into it. And it just kind of, it wound up working out really well. That's amazing. And so you've been a, a fitness director for Men's Health since 2017. Yeah. Your content's awesome. I've watched a lot of your videos and stuff too. Mm -hmm. Have you done any of them? I haven't done them yet, but we're going to talk about some of this. Mm -hmm. So what would you say... If you had to like quickly summarize what it is that you like to project or influence around health, what would you say it is? I feel like there are a lot of silos in fitness. You know, there's like there are CrossFitters and there are bodybuilders and then there are kind of like, um, you know, athletes, sprinters. And, and they don't we don't always like play together or realize like how our training can kind of um, how like different pieces you can like we're all kind of doing the same thing and we can all play well together. And so the one thing I try really, really hard to do is, um, is merge different ideas. You know, it's like, even like if that is a concept, yeah, even if you're like a bodybuilder, it's like if you bodybuilders doing yoga is like, it's good for them. You know, like me, I come from, I came from originally like a very bodybuilding school, but like blending that with like some CrossFit ideas and learning like it, CrossFit teaches intensity and how to like go hard better than any kind of fitness discipline out there, you know? At the same time, CrossFit can learn from, from bodybuilding and kind of more traditional strength training in terms of, you know, introducing some of those more like fundamental movements. It's like, let's do a dumbbell row before we do 
um, a clean or a snatch. Let's learn how to pull that way first. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I just like merging all of that into one kind of big ball of fitness that like everybody can get something out of because I think then you wind up you wind up producing like a better all around athlete, a better all around person, and like somebody who has more longevity too. I think a lot of this also just comes back to what your goals are for fitness. Let's say, for example, that your goal is to put on muscle. Yeah. You, you're comfortable with, you know, your, your waist size or whatever, but you're, you're someone who just wants to look bigger and stronger. You want more muscle, right? What would yeah. you say is the best strategy for that? The best strategy for that is probably something maybe a little bit more like that to me. I, I always go back to pull push legs. You know, that to me is like the ideal split for somebody who wants to put on muscle. It's something kind of nice and safe. Pull, push, legs. Yeah, pull, push, legs to me. So that's like day one, um, you're doing all your pulling motions. That's like your back exercises and your bicep exercises. Day two, you're going to do all your pushing motions. That's going to be kind of your chest exercises, like your bench press, um, your triceps exercises where you're, again, pushing stuff away, kind of straightening that elbow. If you want like your shoulder exercises, day three is going to be all your lower body exercises and you hit it hard. Um, and that's a huge and very important like day just for kind of like, like a lot of growth stimulus happens because you're going to go heavier on that day than you're going to go on any other day. So to me, that's kind of like the ideal way to set up a workout. How you piece out the movements in there is, and that's where it gets interesting. And that's where I try to merge some different pieces than some other people do because, um, you know, like if you take if you take that pull day, we're going to do like a dumbbell row or some kind of barbell row to start out and cue like really good scapular retraction. Then we'll probably do a pull up and then we kind of maybe get into like then maybe we introduce some like more CrossFit style motions like a dumbbell snatch or, you know, a dumbbell clean or, or, or a kettlebell. You can use kettlebells for that kind of stuff, too. I think that's the ideal way for people to put on muscle because then also you get to move at different velocities too. Like when we're doing that row, that's you're going to lift a heavier weight. You're going to try to be explosive with it, but you can only it's only going to go up so quickly, right? right? Versus like when you get down to the tail end of the workout, maybe or even when you when you're on the pull up, maybe you're being a little more explosive and you can be a little more powerful because it's a little lighter. Then when you get to like that that clean that snatch, that's like a very fast movement. So then you get to move your body a different rate of speed now i imagine there's people listening to this and i I think i'm one of them who like when i go lift weights i often am doing pushing and pulling and legs all in the same workout yeah what are the well i guess what are the disadvantages to doing that or you know what 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 are the advantages to spreading that out over three different days um the advantage to to me to especially if you want to put on if you want to put on targeted muscle to yeah. like in certain areas, the advantage to me is that you can hit it a little bit harder, you know, and you can also get in more, more variety of movements versus if, if I'm doing like a total body day, if, total I'm, body, hitting, yeah. if I'm hitting everything, I'm probably going to, you're going to want, you're going to get one bench press style movement, right? That's going to be your pushing movement. You'll get one, um, pulling style movement, maybe two, right? Um, and maybe you get two leg motions in. So so you wind up with very fundamental pieces. And that's not bad, you know? But you want, you know, that's like, so you a bench press, a dumbbell row, a deadlift, and a squat. That's your, that's maybe your full body day, right? Versus like, I can, I can attack my body from diff, in a lot of different directions and kind of along a lot of different planes, 
if I'm trained, if I'm really hammering one muscle. So like on a leg day, I can get in my squat and my deadlift. And that, those are my two starter motions. But then I can get into something where I'm moving laterally and I can build strength in that plane. And then I can get in something where I'm a little more rotational, like something where I'm like using like a landmine and maybe doing like kind of like a like a row to like a rotational clean or something like that. So I can work in different planes. I can work at different velocities, really hammer that muscle and then come back a couple of days later and do the same thing. And there's nothing wrong with full body days, but I just think when you try to get a little more, when you try to get a little more nuanced with the motions, because then... Like if you're doing a full body day and you want to do, say, one thing I'm big into is it's called like a TRX reach row where you kind of like hold the TRX, reach down to the ground and reach all the way up around the TRX. I don't uh-huh. know if you've seen me doing that before, but that's like a cool rotational move and it has a lot of value. But if if I'm doing that as my back move in a full body day, then I'm, I'm kind of um, sacrificing a fundamental back move that I should have been doing first. So that's one reason I'm not as crazy about full body days. Got it. So you're so so let's say that over the course of three days, we mm-hmm. we both do the same exact total number of exercises. Mm-hmm. But I do over three days total body, total body, total body. Mm-hmm. And you do over three days push pull legs, or you know, just to simplify it. Yeah. You think that by doing each end of, by by being more focused on each day you're effectively able to to target that specific muscle from more different angles and I, I guess in some ways be less fatigued doing it or how would you summarize that? Yeah, I would say I would say you can be you can I can target that muscle from different angles and I can target smaller muscles that relate to it a little bit better than I can on a full body day. The other thing I feel like if you're doing if you're doing like a hard full body day three days in a row, you're probably going to wind up more fatigued than I am. Right. So that's another way of looking at it is what's your recovery time from all these things. Yeah. Like if I were doing, if I were doing full body workouts, I would probably, and again, I'm kind of thinking of this off the top of my head. I'd have to, I'd have to program it out a little bit better. But if I were doing, if I were doing full body workouts, I would probably be doing like three or four days of training a week, which isn't bad, you know, like I know Don Saladino trained, he, he has some splits where he'll go full body for a little bit. Yeah. We just had Don on the podcast too. Yeah. And I'll, um, and I know you guys are buddies. Yeah. We're, we're pretty close. Um, his, his workouts kill me sometimes. Yeah. Um, you guys have. But by the way, all, all of the stuff that Eb's talking about, he's got videos on, on his Instagram. So you guys should check that out. What, what Tell everyone your Instagram handle. Uh, it's my full name. So Ebenezer Samuel 23. And we'll put that in the, um, in the show notes and stuff too, because it is interesting to see some of the different movements you're describing. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just think, um, well, I lost my, uh, if I were doing a full body workout, I would probably train like full body rest full body rest like i would, I would yeah so you, yeah. so what you're describing actually when you say day one day two day three you mean like literally back to back to back days exactly yeah, yeah so that's another thing i feel like i'm probably doing a full body twice a week right mm-hmm. whereas yeah. maybe i could get more benefit if i were just doing you know one specific area one specific area one specific area like how often do you go to the gym? Well, see that that that's a question that um I spend way too much time at the gym. Um, but the gym is kind of like my bar. Like some people go out to drink, and you know on Friday nights I'm like, hey, let's go to Transform Fitness. That's the gym I go to most of the time. Yeah. But um, so I'll go typically like five or six days a week. Okay. Um, 
the one thing and i'm probably training for like an hour and a half an hour 45 minutes there okay, so that's a pretty long time yeah i sometimes don't leave like right away but that's because i tend to to me the gym is about play too so i'll get done with like whatever i'm training um and then every so often there'll be like a friend there and it'll be like hey let's see let's see if we can do this yeah exactly let's just do random stuff you know and then random stuff and then oh crap it's 10 30 at night or it's 11 o'clock wow so you can get carried away yeah yeah but yeah so i'd say like five or six days a week and then a lot uh, again some of it's like a responsibilities thing too so in the city, obviously, there's a lot of group fitness, and it's part of my job is to know that group fitness. Totally. So I'll do a lot of like you know morning workouts, like you know morning yoga. This morning I went to um, Brick Grand, yeah, Brick Grand Central. It's a pretty cool CrossFit box, Tone House, stuff like that. Just checking out different gyms and being aware of what's going on. So that's a that's a good. I've got a bunch of different questions for you, but so let's talk about the the class scene in New York because yeah. that's really been exploding for the last ten years, and I think it's still climbing. Yeah. What are some of your favorite group classes in Manhattan? Uh, favorite group classes in Manhattan. Well, I really, I actually, Brick does a really cool class called BX, which is actually not. It's kind of like their um, quote unquote low tier class in terms of it's not the CrossFit offering. It's not the classic strength offering, but it's just, it's a lot, it's very good kind of, it's very good quality, very well-programmed conditioning. Um, the thing I really like about it is you get a chance to, again, for, for my purposes around my training, I'm, I'm moving a lot of weight in the gym and moving it not always at the highest rate of speed. So Brick offers a chance for me to move light weights at a very high velocity, which I really like. Um, so I like that. I'm actually a big fan of um, core power yoga. Um, cool. Yeah, because I've, I've done core power. Love it, right? It's good stuff. Yeah, it's good. I, you know, it's funny with yoga though. I don't do it as much as I wish I did it. Yeah. Because I find every time I do it, I get very competitive with myself mm. and I kind of over push every position <laughs> and it makes me not enjoy it. And I need to, yeah. I think I need to have a better mindset with yoga where you go in and you kind of, it needs to be, I think, more meditative for me. And instead yeah. I always get a little too amped up. It's funny because I think I'm the same way. Like I'll go in and, and they're like, push your butt back and try to stretch your hands out. And I'm like, okay, I'm yeah, really going to stretch them out. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, but I, 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 some, I've, I've actually gone back and forth on that a lot because I'll go, I'll go to Core Power and I'll be like, and I'll put in that kind of effort and I'll be like, you know what? My body feels great after it. And I'm like, every so often I'm like, maybe everybody else is just doing it wrong and you and I are doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'm doing it right necessarily, <laughs> but I I, yeah. I hear where you're coming from on that. Okay, so yeah. so core power yoga. What yeah. else you got? Um, I like. Have you been to Everybody Fights? I haven't, although I've heard great things about it. Yeah, Everybody Fights to me is probably the the best kind of most well rounded boxing experience. And if you're a beginner, would you enjoy it, or do you need to be decent at boxing? No, that, well, that that's what. So I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm like a mess when it comes to anything boxing related. You kind of, you've got the upper body of a boxer, actually. Like you're cut and you got big muscles. Like I bet, I bet you would be good at boxing. Oh, I look the part, but I don't move the part. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. But they, they have two offerings. They have like a, a train 360 class that's really cool, where it's kind of like it's kind of hiddish, but then they let you in the ring, which is for one station. Oh, that's um, fun. And that it what what blew me away was the first time I got in that ring. It's like a two minute thirty second station. And the isn't it amazing how long two minutes and thirty seconds feels like when you're boxing? Exactly. And how fatigued like forty five seconds of punching and you're like, is it over yet? 
Oh, um, totally. I So I boxed from the ages of like 19 to 22. I had yeah. internships in Manhattan and I would go to this uh, this place called Mendez. I think it's on 25th. Hmm. And, you know, bit of a rundown spot, but they had the best trainers there. Yeah. And it just really made me appreciate one, how hard boxing is and how technical it is. Two, I think how everyone's default punch is a ridiculous thing. Hmm. Like, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of punching from behind your ear, right? Yeah. You're, like your natural punch is a disaster. It's like straight out of a bar fight and looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually there's a lot of, there's really a lot of technique to it in a, in a way that I think you wouldn't appreciate if you just watched boxing on television for the first time. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is just the conditioning. You know, yeah. I remember it was like, go warm up. Why don't you do 20 minutes straight on the jump rope? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not easy for anyone to just do. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's very boxing. The way those guys train is so different from um, like everything we've been taught about high intensity interval training is, is like 40 seconds on 20 seconds off and you get these mini breaks and those guys just go those guys i mean because what they're prepping for is what two minutes 30 seconds on a minute off or something like that and so it's like they they it's a different quality of um of work that they put in yeah it's it's a longer period of really high intensity exactly. which is what i think what makes it so hard yeah your point is right like other high intensity workouts tend to be 40 seconds or a minute and then yeah. you stop boxing's like three minutes and then you stop yeah, and you but you have to find a way to because I feel like if you give somebody a if you give somebody a three minutes on, one minute off workout, they're gonna just naturally go hard for like ninety seconds of that three minutes. Versus a boxer has to find a way to stay mentally and physically in it for all three minutes because if they don't, that fifteen seconds where they're not in it is where they get knocked out. So that's well that's the other thing. There's a yeah. an enormous mental fatigue too, because you have to be so focused for that period of time, which yeah. in turn is also elevating your heart rate. Yeah. So to bring it back to a whoop concept, that's that's just elevating your strain as we calculate it on whoop for a longer period of time. Yeah. Okay, so boxing class, uh, everybody fights. What else you got in the city? Um, geez, now I got to think a little bit. Um, I do like Tone House. Have you been to Tone House? I haven't been. We've got a bunch of Whoop users on Tone House. I have a lot of respect for those guys. I haven't, I haven't been yet, but yeah. The thing I love about Tone House is they get you moving and actually going somewhere. Versus when you go to any of these other classes, even the ones I love, you're kind of in one spot and that's your spot, and you do your exercise in that spot. At Tone House, it's run down to one end, sprint back the other, and so you have that movement, that quality of locomotion that you just don't get in any other workout in the city. The the challenge of Tone House is you talk about a workout where you have to be like mentally in it. If you don't bring your A game, this like don't even show up. Yeah, um, it's one of the hardest workouts in the city, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it, and it's it's legitimately like it's legitimately <laughs> hard. Um, it's the only workout in the city where I kind of it's like it's like I'm like okay, I'm going there. I have to be covered. I have to be focused. Let me make sure I got my sleep that night before. Everything else, I'll just show. Yeah, up. you want to have a high recovery on Whoop before you go into Tone House. Exactly. Yeah, I want to be like 85 there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've been on Whoop for how long now? I actually, um, I actually, I was, I want to say like, like, I think you guys reached out to me shortly after, um, I got to men's health. So probably about two years. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, I I was on it and I and instantly loved it. Great. I actually got off of it for a while. Um and then I've been back on it now for probably like the last like like I want to say maybe four or five months, pretty hardcore. Oh, good. Yeah. And for you, what are some of the things that you use Whoop for? Um, I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna try to coin this hashtag at some point. It's gonna be <laughs> be your own lab rat. Um, <laughs> and that's because the thing I love about Whoop. I mean, I le- I love the recovery data. Um, and I, to me, it's like what the way you guys present the data is what makes it special. Because I appreciate that. You know, other devices can do HRV and calculate your heart rate, but you guys are presenting me stuff that like as as an athlete, as somebody who's in love with fitness, you guys are presenting it in a way that like I enjoy. Like I love like going to workouts and looking at just the graph of what my heart rate did. Yeah, totally. It's it's crazy too, because you can go to a hit class and you can you can almost tell like see each session, yeah. Yeah, and, and how they're different. You know, like if you if I go to like something where it was like like a like um like an an every minute or every two minutes on the minute, right? Yeah. It's gonna be I'm gonna get a really jagged graph versus like if if it was something today's was it was like you do you run like a half you run like um like 50, 50 meters, you get off, you do something, then you run a hundred meters, get off, do something. And so it was a count up and I'm always working. And my graph was just like constant hell. So I like the way you guys present the data, but what I've really found interesting, cool and fun is just being able to kind of experiment, like look, listen to theories and hear theories on fitness and then see how they're true for my body and just how my body responds to stuff. So like, I mean, you've probably heard about like the afterburn effect and just the whole, this whole idea that if you do high intensity interval training, your heart rate's going to stay up afterwards. So one of the cool things I do is um, I'll go to say a fitness class, or even if I do like my own hit circuit um, somewhere else, I'll kind of, I'll log that workout. And then I'll also log like the 15 minutes after it, just to see like what my heart is doing afterwards and how high it stays up. And that's been kind of fun for me to do. A couple of weeks ago, I took it to, um, to a cryotherapy session. Oh, nice. Um, or, yeah. And it was just interesting to, to, um, to see like, because you hear, again, you hear so much different stuff, but I'm a big believer in um, everybody reacts a little bit differently for, of, for so many totally reasons. Totally agree with that. Yeah. And Whoop lets you see like, okay, this is what it says on the internet about what's supposed to happen to my body when I do cryotherapy and how I'm supposed to burn all these calories and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but especially when you guys introduced the whoop snap feature. So yeah. I went to this cryo thing and I had my friend literally just like take video of me in, cause it's only three minutes anyway. Totally. And all these calories are supposed to burn my heart rate. Like when, and part of it's because like, I also get like freaked out of the cold and my heart rate just went like, it was it was up around like one ten, and then all of a sudden, like midway through, she's like, "Yo, you got to see this. Your heart rate is like at like sixty. Right? Oh wow! As because she had like started talking to me, and so like that had gotten me like not thinking thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, she's like, "Oh, you have thirty more seconds." And suddenly, my heart rate it goes back up. Right but th- it was really cool because it's like, oh my god, like my mind and my mentality has so much effect on how on what my heart is doing. And just being able to like test it in different situations, even like like yesterday, I I did this for the first time. Um, I tested it on like a like a 500 meter row, just set set up the whoop snap, just so I could see my heart rate data afterwards. Yeah, I mailed in, and I kind of knew I did because I was I was tired and I was coming off of legs, but I mailed in like the last the last like 100 meters or whatever. The time was still decent, so I was happy with it. But when I checked the 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 whoop data, I could tell like 
oh wow like it's crazy how my slow split like totally coincided with when i basically decided okay you know what i'm gonna finish under 129 anyway so i'll be happy with that and so i'm just not gonna go hard and literally like my heart rate just starts diving and i mean so it's it's just interesting to do it in, in ways like that so i love using it for workout stuff that's awesome and the uh and i like what you said by the way about you know being your own lab rat because that's a lot of what i think having having data on your body allows you to do is you can see how all these different things are affecting your body right and you can sort of a b test different supplements or different workouts or different behaviors and see how they affect your body exactly one thing so i don't sleep a lot and that's kind of the one and again like that's one thing that whoop has kind of revealed to me shown me a little bit is like initially I mean, we all kind of hear this thing like you need eight hours of sleep. And this is not me telling anybody to not get your eight hours of sleep at night. But um, what I found is like if I, I if I get four, three or four hours, four hours of sleep, but it's like good quality sleep, like I recover better the next day than I do if like I got like eight hours of sleep, but I left the TV on. And like my wife was like up, you know. Um, like low quality. Yeah, exactly. And so the quality of sleep is so relevant yeah and by the way whoop whoop really focuses on that so we will measure the amount of time you're in slow wave and rem sleep yeah and if you can get a lot of slow wave and rem sleep the rest doesn't actually matter as much yeah you know uh because the light periods and the periods where you're awake your body isn't getting that much benefit from it yeah so four hours to me still sounds pretty low that you're managing the function on that now there there is like a percentage of the population that can function on less sleep everyone sort of thinks they are that person and they're not but given (laughs) that you're the fitness level that you're at you may actually be that yeah let's hope yeah um now um, what about uh your your bedtime routine do you do you have any hacks around sleep or anything that you're trying to optimize around no i'm i'm almost uh, like honestly i spend way too much time not sleeping Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Though I do try to because so for me I'm getting back from the gym again around like 10, 10, 15, 10 30 every night. Which is late. Um yeah, that, that's late. I mean, that's kind of, I feel like that kind of goes with the with the New York territory. Um Yeah, Manhattan's a little amped up. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's not a normal thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, get home around 10, 10 15, 10 30. I always kind of so that's also my post lift meal. So what I try to do is I'll I'll try to graze on my post-lift meal. And then again, there's always like a a ton of volume of work too. So I'll graze on my post-lift meal, go through emails or whatever else I have to do. I've been trying to do more Instagram Q&As for people. So I'd love if people check that out. Sure. But I'll get around to that about that time. And then I kind of wind, and then I kind of wind down from there. One thing I, one thing I do, and I don't know if this is necessarily good or not, but it kind of works for me is like, like I don't try to force myself to go to bed at a particular time. Like you get to that point, I feel like where your eyes get heavy and you're just like, okay, I'm ready to sleep. And so that's the time when like I just go to bed. So, Got it. Yeah. And talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, diet. Hmm. What 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 do you think's right for you? What are your goals first of all? What are your goals right now? Are you trying to get bigger and stronger? Are you trying to get leaner? Um, right now, right now, I'm trying to get, um, I'm trying to get a little bit leaner. Um, and, and how do you think about lean? Is that percent body fat or what is lean to you? Um, lean to me is just like, is just, um, is just like tapering at the abs and kind of having like, 
more cut. Yeah, just having more cut. I mean, I try to, I I would let it's. I have I have a variety of goals. Some of them are aesthetic. Like I'd like my arms to grow a little bit more, and I'd like to get just a little more definition in my abs and a couple couple like really picky spots. And then I have a lot. I actually have a lot of um perform. Like right now, I've I've been obsessed with the 500 meter row um for probably like the last six months. So you have these little tests that you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. And I think I feel like you need them because I think you're right. If you don't, then you don't have like a guide for your fitness. But so right now my goal is like I want like a 124 five meter, 500 meter row. So that strikes me as fast. Yeah, it, it is. 120, 126 is my best and it's hell. Yeah. So I'm trying to work. You ever tried to do a 2K? A 2K row. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with this guy, Bobby Maximus? I'm he's, not sure. That sounds familiar. He's but. a he's a trainer up in Utah, and he has benchmarks for all that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, the funny thing is that I mean, serious rowers. I yeah. went to I went to St. Paul's, which had an incredible rowing program, mm. and a bunch of guys from there went to uh, row in college. Mm. And then uh, we also now work with really high level rowers. There's a mm-hmm. guy on our team at Whoop, Mike Lombardi, who's a really talented rower, and their their numbers for a two k are crazy. Huh. Like I think they can get sub, sub six. That's insane. Which, if you think about, it, is crazy, right? Or like very close to six. But, and that is, by the way, that is like the most excruciating six minutes of your life. Yeah, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's why I keep it to the fi- the five hundred is like a pure sprint. Yeah. I'm so like, that's maybe a little more muscle even too, right? Yeah. Well, that's crazy because I think the guy who owns. I think the 500 meter row record is something like 119 and it's owned by, it's owned by like one of those strong men type guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not a rower. Yeah. And the reason is because uh, the row is what, like a deadlift to, to a barbell row. And yeah. so he can deadlift a ton of weight. He can deadlift more than, you know, most of us combined. So he can, he can turn that into, he turns that into what he wants it to be. What are some of your other tests? For me, that's a big one. I'm pretty careful with it because like for shoulder longevity, it's not great, but I try, I like to test my 225 bench and my 185 bench. Just so to see how many reps. reps you can do? Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually around like 16 or 17 when for I'm two, right. For 185, 225. Yeah. And that's what they do at the combine, isn't it? NFL yeah. Combine. Yeah. So what do those guys throw up for two twenty five? Um, what's interesting? Um, I bet it varies a lot. I was gonna say there's a lot. There's a ton of variants, like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and again, that that's actually where. So literally, and this is how much I was into fitness when I was in college. Like, um, that's probably how you got into this test. Oh yeah, that, yeah, because you'd go to the NFL Combine and figure it out. Well, yeah. Well, I would actually, um, I would actually. I remember when I was in college, like every time the Combine came around, I would, I would look because they, because they would put up those guys' numbers, and I would be like, I beat that guy and that guy and that guy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, but I do that, and then I like, I don't test the times as much. For me, it's almost more about like feeling fast, and maybe that's my excuse because I'm really slow. <laughs> um, yeah, but I like to go out to the track and do like hundred meter work. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Do you find, well, so then let's go back to the diet for a second. Mm -hmm. What are you eating to try to achieve those goals? I try to eat clean. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. To me, it's about like high, um, my goal is to be as, create as, as, as anti-inflammatory an environment in my body as possible. And I try to achieve that by, um, uh, I drink a lot of water, have a lot of fish, a lot of good fats, a lot of green vegetables. And I'm kind of one of those people who um, who eats all the time. So I'll eat 
I ha- I kind of have like a plan that I stick to, and I try to have something in me like every two and a half hours. It's generally a so you're like the opposite of intermittent fasting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think to to me, so intermittent fasting I think works for people who want to like more lose weight or if you don't have time to eat all the time. But I come from the school that um, again I'm always looking at it from like a muscle building perspective too because I want to. Yeah, that a, that comes back to your goals. Yeah, exactly, and it works for me. So I want a constant supply of protein, as much protein as I can metabolize. I can metabolize, you know, protein every two and a half ish hours. So I try to eat and get protein in my system every two and a half ish hours. Got it. And do you, are you someone who takes supplements or anything like that? Um, I I. I don't because I um it's crazy because I actually I remember like when you probably I get sent them all the time oh yeah there, there's a whole <laughs> if, if y'all want them they're at the office um I used to when I was in college right it's like GNC you figure is like it's like oh this will solve all my problems right yeah um so I used to like I would literally there was a G, I, I remember like the one time I took weight gainer because I was super skinny in college and the one time I took weight gainer it was a disaster I feel like I can't really describe it to your audience in a way that would have, make them want to keep listening but um <laughs> okay. but I would literally like buy everything from so, there so you were into it yeah but then and then I remember I wasn't like maybe like like five or six years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, I wasn't really getting the results I wanted in the gym. Like I was putting in all this time, but I wasn't kind of getting size or definition or strength. And so I, I, I was going to a gym at the time called Star Fitness in the Bronx. Like a lot of bodybuilders go there, like competitive guys. And I was like, dude, why am I not growing? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of weird because you do work pretty hard. You're here for like way too long in the first place. And he's like, how's your diet? And I'm like, well, I'm on this and I'm in, I'm on this and I'm on creatine and this and that and the other thing. And he's like, well, there's your problem because I was relying on all these supplements and Interesting. not real food, right? And so much of what the guys who know what they're doing, whether it's like athletes or bodybuilders or whatever, the more real food, the more nutrition you can get from real food, the better. So, you know, I'm always pushing myself to like have chicken, fish, broccoli and I have like, I do have one or two shakes a day, mostly because I'm getting out of like a workout in the morning and it's easy for me to get in. But then the rest of the day, it'll be like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to have like six ounces of salmon, like three ounces of brown rice and maybe some kind of vegetable from our, from the Hearst building. Nice. Yeah. I think that's an interesting shift because I've definitely talked to other athletes, other high performers who have, mm-hmm. who have had a similar experience where they went from being into supplements to not taking stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's tricky because like so much of the fitness industry is about almost like, you know, can or so much of the fitness industry, you know, you think you have to be on that stuff, but the guys who get results um and the best path to results is just net if you know, if you're getting if you have enough fish, enough broccoli, enough um you know, enough chicken in your diet, then you you might not need like some amino acid supplement. You know, if you have enough fish and avocado, and yeah. almond butter in your diet, do you really need to take an, um, a fish oil pill? You're yeah. probably covered. So it's kind of like if you can it, – it, the funny thing and the thing I've always found interesting is like that good food winds up costing more than say, you know, the Oreos that I might l- much prefer to eat. That good food does cost more, but it's so much better for me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's great advice. And uh, how about vitamins or anything related to sleep? Um, I don't, I don't take anything for either of those. Got it. Yeah. So all clean. Yeah. I'm kind of boring like that. Sorry. I mean, I, I'm, I'm generally the same way. I, I take uh, melatonin sometimes for sleep. I'll mm. take magnesium sometimes for sleep. 
but otherwise yeah, I'm I'm not taking anything. Yeah. I do I do have melatonin around and if I if I'm ever having like trouble sleeping, I'll take that. But again, like I generally I wind up awake so much that by the time like midnight rolls around, I'm like I just knock out. And what are some things that you're working on right now with men's health? We have a lot of cool stuff going on. One of the cooler things we're doing is called the All Out app right now. And that's just, we we have this, we have this giant library of fitness um, just across a variety of brands, men's health, women's health, prevention. And we have all this fitness video and we kind of put that all in an app now. And so that's really, that's probably like my, my coolest project right now um, because I have, I have a workout in there. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Mine is muscle. So, you so know. you're focused on the muscle side of things. Yeah. Now for the women listening to this, do you think they'll get the same value out of the workouts that you're describing? Yeah. In fact, it's, it's kind of interesting because, um, I, I actually get a lot of DMS from women on Instagram and they're like, they're like, will your workouts work for me or will I put on too much bulk? And that's something like I'm actually, women should be strong you know, and they shouldn't be afraid to get strong. Totally. And, and the workouts, um, you know, whether it's my workout or Don Saladino's workout or anything, they can do the same workout we can. And it's going to kind of like, I don't think they need to worry about that at all. Like they're going to, um, the only way they're going to, if I know a lot of women, it feels like they worry about bulking up too much. Um, the only way that's going to happen is if like, they're going in there trying to deadlift, you know, 600 pounds or something like that. But they should feel like my workouts are great for women. I feel like strength for women has become very popular and like yeah. just pop culture generally. Do you agree with that? Like, are you seeing that? Yeah, I, I think more of that. I think for, for, a, for a long time, there was kind of this and there is still a little bit of this stigma that a woman's workout and a man's workout, quote unquote, are different. Sure. But I think you, you're definitely seeing that change more and more that's actually one of the things that um me and uh liz plosser the uh the women's health um editor-in-chief have kind of been doing and it's kind of just to show people that you can do like whether man or woman you can do the same workout you know i i go to the gym with with or when i go to these group fitness classes there are guys who who need to modify the moves down as much as women there's not like they're the same workouts and they can be the same workouts. The weights kind of take care of themselves. It, you know, if I want to bulk up, I'm going to I'm gonna make a more concerted effort to say row that 120 pound dumbbell, you know, I could then like Liz, if she wants to get a little more, a little bit of a different effect out of it, she's just going to row the 30 or 40 pound dumbbell. So I feel like it takes care of itself. And I feel like women are starting to realize that they, they can and they can get strong and that it's worth doing that. It's funny. It does seem like men are starting to train a little bit more like women and women are starting to train a little more like men. Well, that's the whole yoga craze right there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like yoga classes used to be 99% women. Now they're probably 65% women. Yeah. And, and yoga is like, so if you do all this other training, it's interesting. Like I have a couple of bodybuilding friends who are kind of experimenting with yoga or adding it to their routines. And they, they struggle at it at first because they don't have that built-in flexibility. But as you get, as they get better at it, they're, they're feeling more mobile. And for me, like even you, you feel a little bit unnerved. I feel like the first time as a guy that you go to a yoga class because of that stigma. But then once you're into it, it's the, the, the qualities for my body, the way I move and just being able, like, I feel like yoga to some extent contributed to, um, 
to making me more explosive just because I have that much more length in my muscles to explode over. When I, it's, this is a, this is um probably another thing. It's not a test, but it's a goal of mine. I like doing randomly insane Superman pushups and just seeing like how I can string them together. And if I, when I go to yoga consistently, this is purely anecdotal, but when I go to yoga consistently, I'm much more capable of pulling those off easily. And when I don't go to yoga for like, say a month, or I don't do any flexibility work for a month, even on my own, um, those, those moves, I can still do them, but I can feel like my body is kind of laboring through it instead of just having like that natural, like just mobility that it should. Yeah. I mean, the times that I've done a lot of yoga, I found that it helps a lot with my balance. Mm. You know, it feels like there's a lot of little muscles around your ankle and your feet and even your calf area that get kind of dialed in from yoga. I'm sure a bodybuilder is going to get more advantage from it from their upper body, but I've always been fairly nimble on my upper body just from playing racket sports and whatnot. So I get more benefit lower body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many benefits from yoga in general, I think. What are some of, who are some of your influences when it comes to health and fitness? Hmm. Honestly, it's probably a lot of athletes. I, I remember the first time I read somewhere that Michael Jordan, that was the other reason I was wanting to bench 225 because I read somewhere that Michael Jordan like got in his 225 pound bench every day. And who knows if it was true or not, but that kind of got me into, that kind of got me into the bench press. Arnold was big for me. Cool. Termin- the Terminator. It's that amazing was- what he did to commercialize weightlifting. Oh yeah. He made it cool. He really did. And that, yeah. that movie Pumping Iron. Yeah. Well, and for me, the big one was uh, Terminator 2. Oh, interesting. Like that was like, it was, that was like, like okay i wanted i think i cut my hair i was like every time we would go to the to get a haircut after that my mom would be like how do you want your hair i'll be like like arnold I want the terminator yeah i'm pretty sure the hairdresser <laughs> just thought it was like weird but um yeah but arnold was big i got to interview him last year oh, cool. that was super it was only over um it was over facetime and i remember like his people were like he only does interviews over facetime I was like, okay, it's kind of weird, but okay. And then getting, beginning to do that, like getting to see, like I kind of, there are three people who I've ever interviewed who I kind of, I almost lost like that general, you know, it, you have to, you kind of have to you have find to black that balance. Back in, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, even as you're doing the interview, it's like you're being a journalist, but at the same time you're, oh my God, I'm interviewing this guy. One was uh, Michael Jordan. One was Tom Brady. And then the other one was Arnold. Like after I got off that, I was like, I was like, that was a lot of fun. Um, so let's talk about those three people because they've been incredibly influential. Let's start with Jordan, who's hmm. maybe my favorite athlete of all time. Really good call. Yeah, one or two. Hmm. Um, what was it? What was the story for, and, and how did it come about? So that was only like like a thirty second interview. Um, <laughs> did you meet him in person? Uh yes. And it, that was like 30 seconds. I just held a tape recorder up, but I was like, that's Michael Jordan. Okay, so then let's talk about Tom Brady. It's interesting because Brady, uh, obviously whatever Brady's doing is working for him. Mm-hmm. It's pretty controversial, right? Like some of his thoughts on diet, I think are controversial. Yeah, the the diet stuff, Some some I've, I've can kind of consistently wondered, like the electrolyte stuff and some of it seems a little... A little weird. I've focused more on the tr- on the training stuff. Okay, so let's talk about that. 
the the interesting because I know he pushes the idea of resistance bands a lot. It's funny because we actually we just posted something on this at Men's Health because he's obviously he's um he's our cover guy. Yeah, totally coming up. But we just posted some and resistance bands are are great. There's a lot that it's interesting because um I feel like especially in middle America right now, there's still kind of like a oh, you have to lift, you have to lift steel. You gotta steel. have dumbbells, yeah. Yeah, Th- there's a lot of merit to training with resistance bands because they, so I, I actually did the story on this, but they create this this unique variable resistance that can, if you use it right, really stimulate your abs and your core in a different way and help you get get a really, really good squeeze on muscles if you're using them correctly. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I feel like there's some stigma around them, but if if you actually look at a lot of my workouts, especially for chest, um, I'll use them for again. We talk we talk about so I start with maybe a fundamental motion like a like a bench press, and I've got an incline press, and then my third or fourth motion a lot of times will be resistance band based, and it's um, a lot of people will ask me, can I do that exercise? on a cable crossover machine if I don't have resistance bands. And I'll tell them, yes, you can, but the impact you're going to get from resistance bands, the ability to really squeeze and kind of stimulate your the middle of your chest is actually better with the resistance band, even though you might not expect it to be. So I know he takes a lot of heat for that, but it's actually, it's actually fairly useful. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, what did you enjoy about interviewing him? Um, also I interviewed him actually not for this. I interviewed him for, you remember there was that whole business of the, uh, deflated footballs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who could forget that if you lived in Boston, that was all people talked about. Yeah. Deflate gate. Exactly. Yeah. I was trying to not use the word, but (laughs) yeah, I was, um, I was dispatched to, um, New England for that whole odyssey. I guess lastly, what are things that you like to do to recover? To me, it's a it's about a couple of things. It's a it's about physical recovery and mental recovery. Because yeah. the one thing I do in my workouts is I try I, I try to be really really um, focused on counts, on not missing reps, on not getting any like a lot of people near the end of their sets. Like you kind of you kind of get sloppier with your reps as you go, and I want to mentally make sure that my first rep my last rep is as good as my first rep. So that almost, in a strange way, takes a lot out of out of me mentally. So to me, the mental side of, of that is big. Saturdays are my are kind of my recovery days from my mind, and it sounds it sounds dumb or it sounds maybe oversimplified, but I literally just like I try I try not to go hard. I'll, I'll get in like an arm workout early that day because um, arms are more fun training, and then I'll just you know play video games, watch movies, and do everything I can to distance myself for the rest of the day from the gym. Um, Cause then I can just kind of like help like recalibrate myself. Cause then Sundays, Sunday mornings are a big leg day for me. So that's, I think the mental recovery is kind of underrated and important. Um, and I also try to like Sunday, I obviously we've talked a little bit about my very bad sleep habits. Um, and the fact that I don't get a lot of it on Saturday, Friday nights, I'll spend a lot more time trying to sleep extra in terms of kind of more like active physical recovery i try i've i try to spend i try to get that yoga class in i think that really helps me if i don't get that in i'll kind of go through like i'll spend either saturday or sunday afternoon after i've i've done legs like i'll I'll go back to the gym or i'll just do it at home 
um, I'll kind of work through some kind of flow stuff just by myself, kind of specifically addressing things that like I know get tight on me. I'm not big into like just kind of full body stretch. I want to kind of stretch with a plan or create mobility with the plan so for me it's like i know my pecs get tight so it's like i know i need to stretch my hip flexors get tight so i know i need to adjust those where i'm probably not going to stretch say or work as hard to like gain mobility throughout my glutes so that's big i'll do um i'm big into e-stim so i'll interesting yeah i'll do that especially i i'll do that for shoulders a lot i'll i try to do that at least three days a week and that's usually that's stuff I'll do like when I get back from the gym, when I'm eating, it's really easy to just like set up, um, do that for like 20, 25 minutes. I'll do that shoulders, anything kind of like where I might feel anything. Usually it's shoulders. If I don't feel anything anywhere else, I'll do shoulders. Sometimes it's forearms a little bit. Sometimes I'll get it like a little bit on my pecs. So I'll do that. And I'm very big into um, the Normatec recovery stuff. Yeah. Like, good product. Yeah. I love that. Boston based company. Yeah. You got you guys with all the recovery stuff up there. Yeah, no totally. one, no wonder New England's so healthy. After every leg workout, that's um, that's my half hour. I I, I put a, I set up in that for a half hour. Play Madden. You'll do it right after. Yeah, I mean a little bit after. You know, I try what I actually try to ideally but the same day. Yeah, ideally I try to get it like right after. Some day, sometimes you know I get back from legs in the middle of the day. Um, my wife is like no, so I, I go out. <laughs> I go out, do whatever she wants first, and then, um, but the, then try to end the day with that. But I'm really big into that kind of stuff. Well, cool, man. Well, this has been uh, really a pleasure. If people want to find you, uh, where can they where can they reach out to you and, and connect? Uh, mainly Instagram, um, Ebenezer Samuel twenty three. Um, I'm always happy to. I try to return every DM. I don't get around to it all the time because sometimes it doesn't work. But um, I try to get back to people on there. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. This was really fun. No problem. Thanks again to Eb for coming on the podcast. He is a total pleasure to talk to. Check out all of his stuff on Instagram and Twitter, and you can read more about him at Men's Health Magazine. If you're not already a WHOOP member, you can join our community for as low as $30 to begin. We provide you with 24-7 access to your biometric data, as well as analytics across strain, sleep, recovery, heart rate variability, and more. The membership comes with a free Whoopstrap 3.0. We offer 6, 12, and 18-month memberships. The more you sign up for, the more you save. If you enter the code WILLAHMED at checkout, that's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D, we'll give you $30 off a membership just for listening to this podcast. For our European customers, the code is WILLAHMEDEU. And that'll give you 30 euros off when you join. And for our current members, you can upgrade to the Whoopstrap 3.0 and get access to all the new Whoop Live features by following the link in your Whoop app. If you're out of contract, you'll literally get the 3.0 for free when you commit to another six months. Check out whoop.com slash thelocker for show notes and more, including links to relevant topics from this conversation and others. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Whoop podcast on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me online at Will Ahmed. I try to respond to everyone who reaches out. Uh, and you can also follow at Whoop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email the locker at whoop.com with any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions you may have. 
Thank you again to all our listeners, to all our WHOOP members. We love you.